Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 15. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Genesis chapter 3. So the serpent said to Eve, Did God really say you can't eat of every tree of the garden? And you know the story. Eve began to have a conversation with the serpent. Eve said, We can eat of the tree in the midst of the garden, but but the one in the middle of the garden, she said, that's the only one that we can't eat of. And, And Eve began to tell Satan that if they eat of that tree, they shall surely die. And, you know, the part of that story that I really don't, I don't understand is why would Eve be talking to a serpent? I don't get it. Hello, if a serpent is talking to you, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> Say amen, saints. She's conversing with this serpent. And then the Satan, the serpent said, because Eve said, listen, we, we can eat of every tree but of the one that's in the midst of the garden, and if we eat of that one, we will certainly die. Satan said to her, that's because God knows that in the day that you eat of that tree, your eyes are going to be open, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Listen, saints, it was at this point in history that Satan introduces the idea that man can become God. And ever since then, man... Ever since Genesis 3, man has been consumed with self. We live in a culture that is consumed with self. We live in a culture that asks the question, what about me? What about my needs? What have you done for me lately? We live in a culture, you know, even yesterday I was telling them in first service, I wanted to get my facts right. So I went over to Barnes & Noble bookstore to look at the magazines on the shelves. And we are so filled with ourselves in this culture and so self-absorbed and consumed with self, we have magazines about self. First they had Life, it seemed to be a progression of things. First they had Life magazine, then they had People, then it was Us. Then you got the magazine, Self. You know, we're so self-absorbed, before you know it, the next magazine will be me. <laughs> what about me, magazine? And people will be eating it up. 
And it's sad that we live in a culture that's so self-absorbed. But listen, saints, it's even sadder, if you will, that that whole mentality of self has come into the church. And the church is equally, in my opinion, consumed with self. You know, even as a pastor, you know, people, you know, approach me often. And, you know, and, and the mentality when they're, you know, they're church shopping nowadays, People church shop. You know, what's in the church for me? They're shopping for a church. People are shopping for a church as if they're shopping for furniture. You know, what's in it for me? What can I get in, out of it? People come to church and they're looking for, you know, great dynamic worship. You know, vibrant, impacting, powerful, relevant sermons, which you guys get all the time. <laughs> it's no big deal. Quality child care, youth group. You know, people come to church with the mentality, what's in it for me? You know, listen, there's nothing wrong with visiting churches, and there's nothing wrong with trying to find a church where you fit, but we need to be careful that we aren't approaching church with a mentality of what's in it for me. Because the truth is, listen, church is not about you. Somebody say amen. The church is not about you. Listen, when you read the Bible and you look at what Scripture has to say and you look at the New Testament church, you see that it was a church that was others-centered, not self-centered. Now, if you've been with us in our previous studies, you know that Paul has been asking the question or been asking the Christians to lay aside those non-essential differences that we've talked about and to walk in unity. So we come to chapter 15 now, and it's a continuation of that same thought, encouraging believers to be one-minded, love-minded, and others-minded. That's what we're going to talk about today, one-minded, love-minded, and others-minded. Romans chapter 15, uh, we'll read verses uh, 1 through... 13. We'll come back and have some comments. How's that? Romans 15, beginning in verse 1. Saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. We then, who are strong, ought to bear this with the scruples or the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ, notice in verse 3, did not please himself, but as it is written... The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, and that you may with one mind and one mouth, did you get that? One mind and one mouth glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, in verse 7, receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, for this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles, and sing to your name. And again, he says in Deuteronomy, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again in Psalm 117, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and laud him, 
all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says in chapter 11, there shall be a root of Jesse and he shall, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles in him, the Gentiles shall have hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Stop right there, saints. Give me your attention. Were you with us in previous studies? If you were, you know that this church in Rome is a diverse church. It's a church made up of Jews and Gentiles. Some in the church are strong Christians. They're the ones who are less legalistic, and some are weak Christians. They're the ones who are strict, and they were being strict about diet and days. Remember what meat you can eat and what days to worship. And so Paul says to the strong Christians here in chapter 15, verse 1, he says to the strong Christians to bear with the scruples or the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. I like Philip's translation of verse 1, chapter 15. Philip's translation reads this. We who are strong in the faith ought to shoulder the burdens and the doubts and the hang-ups of the weak. I like that. In other words, listen, if you want to prove that you are strong, that you're a mature Christian, then you should use your strength to serve your brother instead of serving yourself. If you want to prove that you're strong, I'm going to say that again. You want to prove that you're strong. You should serve your brother rather than serving yourself. I think oftentimes we think to prove that we're strong, we need to speak in tongues. Because somehow, if you speak in tongues, that's a sign of true spirituality. I don't know about you, but I was actually taught that when I first became a Christian. And they had a whole line of people to come up front to speak in tongues because they believed that if you were saved and you were spiritual, then you would, that salvation would be evidenced by speaking in tongues. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I remember getting in the line like that. I mean, I didn't know. I wanted to be spiritual. So I got in the, the speaking in tongues line. They got me up front, and I didn't know any different. They laid hands on me. Bam! Speak, brother. Speak, speak, speak. They was squeezing my head, man. I'm just like, you know, I say anything, get your hands off my head. Like, he coming on a Honda. He coming in on a Honda. He, oh, he got it. He got it. He didn't realize I was just saying he's coming in on a Honda. Speak, speak, man, speak. You got to speak, you got to speak. As if speaking in tongues was a sign of spirituality. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Or some of these other visible, external type gifts is a sign of true spirituality. You know, if you serve a lot in the church, you are certainly spiritual. If you pray a lot, you are certainly spiritual. None of those things, listen, prove your spirituality. 
If you want to prove how really spiritual you are, according to the Bible, then serve someone. That's a sign of true spirit. One another. Are you with me? That's a sign of true spirituality. Do you realize it takes more Holy Spirit to serve someone than it does to speak in tongues? It takes more Holy Spirit husbands to do the dishes at home than it does to be a prayer warrior. <laughs> Say amen, fellas. You know it's right. Man, I need to get filled if I'm going to clean that kitchen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, he's coming on a Honda. He's coming on a Honda. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I got to get filled, man. I'm telling you, I got to get filled to clean the bathroom. I, I need a filling. I'm, I'm telling you, I don't like cleaning bathrooms. I'll do anything. I just don't like cleaning bathrooms and making up beds. And my wife, you know, she, she, she's a wonderful woman. Because uh, she's, she's wonderful. My wife, she, she'll make up a bed in a minute. Now, if I, she like, see, God put you together with no people he know you need. Because I get out the bed, she right behind, make it up. I'm telling you, sometimes I'm just getting out the bed just for a minute to go... This is way too much sharing, I think. <laughs> I think I'm crossing the line, man. But, 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 but it takes more Holy Spirit to serve someone than it does to put on all of these spiritual shows for people, if you will. I'm not disqualifying those gifts. I believe in every gift of the Holy Spirit, including speaking in tongues and interpretation. But I also believe in serving one another. And this is what Paul is saying. If you want to prove that you are strong and mature, then you should use your gift to serve a brother instead of serving yourself. And remember in the church now, remember they were having this problem with freedom and liberties. So maybe you have the freedom to, to, to exercise certain liberties. Maybe you have the liberty to go see a movie. Maybe you have the liberty to dance or, or, or drink a glass of wine. But the younger, weaker Christian doesn't have that liberty. Then you should put up with, Paul says, bear with them, and maybe even hang around them to help the weaker become mature. You know, so often the more mature believers, we all want to hang together because we're all more mature. I mean, we're card-carrying members of a deeper life club. We don't want to hang around weak Christians. I mean, after all, they're weak. They just are just not where we are. I mean, we're more spiritual than them. Well, maybe the stronger Christians should hang around the weaker Christians in order to encourage the weaker Christians and help them to grow and to become strong because the church is about others. I'm writing this portion of my sermon last night, and I looked over at my wife, and I said to her, I said, honey, you know, I just, I'm just really getting this. She said, what? I said, you realize the church is about others? You know, so often we think the church is about the Lord, and yes, the church is about the Lord. I mean, let's just face it. If it wasn't for the Lord, none of you would be here. If it wasn't for the Lord, we wouldn't know each other. If it wasn't for the Lord, you wouldn't want to know me. And if it wasn't for the Lord, I certainly wouldn't want to know you. Because in my B.C. days, you wouldn't have liked me very much. That's before Christ. You wouldn't have liked me very much. So certainly the church is about the Lord, but we cannot separate the head from the body. And people do that all the time. 
well, I love Jesus, I just don't like his people. <laughs> I've heard craziness like this. Oh, I love the Lord, hallelujah. They might even speak in tongues. They love God, but they don't love God's people. You can't love God without loving God's people because he is the head and the people are the body and you can't separate the two. That's not pretty, that's a monstrosity. And the church is beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. So we're to encourage one another. Church is about others. And because church is about others, listen, when you come to church, you shouldn't be thinking of what's in it for you. You shouldn't be coming to church thinking, what am I going to get out of it? You should come to church thinking, what am I going to put into it? Isn't it true? That's why we have worship songs and we put the words up there because we don't want you to think that the choir is just up here to entertain you. It's not a Christian entertainment here. This is worship to the Lord. We should be singing to the Lord. And we should be putting something into church service when we come. Not just come to receive, not come to critique the sermon, not come to critique the worship. And then, of course, if the worship, if they're not playing on all fours, you know, they don't hit every note right. It's like, well, you know, I just, um, well, I don't, something was up with the worship team today. I mean, you know, they weren't really that good. And then people sit and they don't worship the Lord. And they don't sing to Jesus because they're waiting. This is the culture that we live in, guys. This is, this is a cultural mentality. So we come to church waiting to be entertained. We come to church as if this is the audience, this is the stage, and this is where all the entertainment happens. That's not church. When you come to church, you need to come putting something into it. I do not worship the Lord because the praise team is really good. I worship the Lord because he's worthy to be worshiped. I worship the Lord. I don't care if the, whatever they sing, it doesn't matter to me. And that's why you don't choose the church, by the way, based on music. Amen. You know how many people choose church based on music? Well, I don't like that kind of music there. And then they, go, they choose a church that has really good music, but they never open the Bible. Y'all didn't hear me. You don't come to church what you can get out of it. You come to church what you can put into it. You come to church, you walk in the door, you see somebody who looks like they're broken, looks like they need prayer, then you pray for them. You come to church and you sit and you worship the Lord and you think of that person and you pray for them. Because when you come to church, listen, you'll get out of church what you put into it. That's how church goes. You get out of it what you put into it. You come to church ready to worship God, you will worship God. You will go away blessed. You come to church to hear the word of God, you will hear the word of God. You'll be convicted and challenged and changed, and you'll go away blessed. If you come to church with your arms folded, waiting to hear something that strikes your you know, emotional cord, or you're waiting to be entertained, then you might go away pretty disappointed. You get out of church what you put into it. Church is about others. When I come to church, I come to church ready to be a blessing. When you come to church, you should come to church ready to be a blessing. Church is about others. Peter said that in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, Peter said, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion one for another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, be a blessing. 
knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Philippians chapter 2, 3 and 4 says the same thing. Don't do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain deceit, conceit, but in humility of mind, consider what, saints? Others better than yourself. And let each one not look to his own interests, but to the interest of others. Paul and Peter is talking about love and unity and one-mindedness. In other words, even in a diverse church like this church in Rome and this church in Apex, even in a diverse church, there can be unity. Amen. Amen. And don't get confused. Listen, don't confuse unity with uniformity. Don't confuse the two. Unity means cooperation in the midst of adversity or disagreement. It doesn't mean we'll all always agree. It doesn't mean we'll all always think alike. You know, Ruth Graham said regarding marriage, she said, if two people are agreeing on everything, one of them isn't needed. (laughs) Go, Ruth. I like that. That's true. It's unity. We're not talking about uniformity here. We're talking about unity. We may not agree on all things, but one thing we must agree on, saints, is listen, we are to love Jesus and love one another because Jesus has purchased us with his own precious blood, and we are, like it or not, brothers and sisters in Christ. If you agree with that, clap your hands, would you? We're brothers and sisters. And I think, you know, in the church today, we miss this. The Bible has so much to say. Here's a Bible study for you. The Bible has so much to say about one another. So much to say about one another. Over and over, 1 Thessalonians 4, 18, comfort one another. Colossians 3, 9, don't lie to one another. Ephesians 5, 22, submit to one another. The Bible tells us to sing songs of praise to one another. The Bible tells us we are members of one another. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 says don't devour one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 12, give each other a kiss when you see one another. Now I don't know about that one yet. (laughs) Of course, that's cultural too. I mean, there are certain cultures that kissing when they see you is appropriate. I remember it was a brother here. It was an older gentleman. Obviously, he was from Italy. He was Italian. And after the service, he was so excited. He just came, came up to me. Pastor Roddy, oh, it was just great. It was just great. I just loved it. And he just grabbed me, and I just loved the sermon. He kissed me right on the lips. I told him, I said, look, we don't do it like that in America. <laughs> Hold on now. I don't roll like that. Wait a minute. Hold on. I was just like, thank you. (laughs) Nice to meet you. (laughs) But the Bible has so much to say about one another over and over and over again. So Paul says, listen, don't seek to please yourself, but build each other up in verse 2. And then in verse 3, go ahead and look at it in your Bibles. Then Paul uses Jesus as the divine prototype of someone who didn't please himself. In verse 3, the reproach of those who reproached you fell on me. Paul is quoting from Psalm 69, verse 9, 
as Jesus was other-centered. You know that. Jesus lived his life for the benefit of others. Jesus was a man for others. His motivation was not personal gain. Jesus didn't come to be ministered to, but to minister to others. Remember, he's hanging on the cross between two thieves. Jesus didn't look over at one of the thieves and say, hey, what about my needs? Instead, he looked down at the people and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus was other-centered. You know, we, the WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, Jesus would consider others. And so Paul in our text, he says, Christ suffered, and it was written in the Old Testament. And since Paul just quoted the Old Testament, he makes a brief comment about its purpose in verse 4. Go ahead and look at it. The Old Testament serves the purpose for our learning, for our learning. You know, there are people who say that the Old Testament is outdated, antiquated, and not relevant. I could not disagree with that more. We need the whole Bible. Amen, saints? That's why on Wednesday night, that's what we study here, the Old Testament. In January, we'll be picking up our study in the book of Leviticus, and we'll go verse by verse. I've had people tell me, you're going to go verse by verse through Leviticus? Yes, because I believe in the whole Bible, not a Bible full of holes. Amen. The whole Bible is relevant. And there's things that we can learn from the Old Testament that you can't learn from any other book in the world. You know, I think of the scripture verse in, in Proverbs 15:1, And it says, a soft answer turns away wrath. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.